So this is episode two of season four of Going Beyond Salvation, and I'm your host, Jess Robinson, and this segment is on Psalms and Proverbs, uh, our weekly reading, and we go into Psalm, we start off with Psalm 57, and essentially, what really stood out to me, you know, this is where he fled from Saul into the cave. And we talked about, you know, we finished off in our daily reading in in the Old Testament where he flees Saul. And we see in this that, you know, he's crying out to the Lord for mercy. And that, you know, he, he takes refuge in the Lord and he takes refuge in the shadow of his wings until this, you know, disaster. He saw it as a disaster that has passed. And I just wanted to share that you know, the shadow of God, God's wings represent his love, his protection, his strength, and his gracious presence. And we, we can take refuge under those wings when we come to him in prayer and rely on him in faith. And in the shadow of his wings, we are protected from everything that would work contrary to his purpose for us, for our, for our lives. And so we see David is seeking refuge from the Lord. He doesn't seek refuge from man and, you know, he's crying out to God and he realizes that he's in trouble, but he can, continues to glorify God and, and that he's trusting in the Lord even and, and will continue to praise the Lord. And so we see that and that's just interesting that, you know, this was written and it just kind of all like coincided with our reading from the Old Testament and that, you know, David has, has fled Saul and, and all of that. And we see, you know, we jump into Psalm 58 and that's another Psalm of, of, you know, David, um, uh, in this deal and in Psalm 58, you know, to, you know, the first saying is, do you rulers indeed speak justly? Do you judge uprightly among men? And we don't know if this was written around the the time around when, you know, he's fleeing from Saul. But we know for sure, you know, based on this reading that, you know, he believed that the rulers had to judge uprightly. And because he see, says, no, in your heart you devise injustice, in your hand, hands met out violence on the earth. And, you know, he's, he's disgusted with injustice. He's disgusted with, you know, sin. And he talks about the, the evil and he, he tells God, you know, and it's fun and really interesting. He's like, Break the teeth in their mouths, O God. Tear out, O Lord, the fangs of the lions. And, you know, he's praying for justice. And he talks about in verse 10 that the righteous will be glad when they are avenged, when they bathe their feet in the blood of the wicked. Now we see when, we're going to see when he's fleeing from Saul and continues to flee from him, he does not, he does not choose, or he does not, uh, react violently back to Saul. But this verse expresses the joy and satisfaction that God's people experience when evil is defeated and, and overthrown. 
And we must desire and pray for the ultimate removal of evil and for the establishment of God's kingdom in the new heaven and earth. And so we see that in in Psalm 58. Then we jump to Psalm 59. And, you know, Psalm 59 is another psalm when, when Saul had sent men to watch David's house in order to kill him. This psalm is attributed to that time. And, and we see David's reaction going, God, deliver me, you know, and he's like, you see, see how they're waiting for me. And, and he says, I have done no wrong, yet they are ready to attack me. And he's just, he's crying out to the Lord in this time and asking him, you know, rouse yourself to punish the nations and show no mercy to wicked traitors. And he's, he's waiting for, for the Lord. And there's this promise that, you know, he, he declares, he says, God will go before me and will let me gloat over those who slander me. So he knew that God was ultimately going to avenge what Saul was doing. But he asked God not to kill them. He wants them to wander about. He wants them to perish on their own. And it's kind of interesting. He didn't want them just killed. He wanted them to essentially be their own plight. And so, and at the end of the psalm, he's like, I'm going to sing praise to God. And and so we see that. So it kind of coincides with our, you know, our Old Testament reading of how David, you know, when he flees, we see how he reacted during this time that he was praying for God to, to handle and met out the justice and not himself. Um, then Psalm 60 is another, um, Psalm and, and David we know that he was after God's own heart. And even though he wasn't perfect, he knew that when there was sin prevalent, he knew that God's favor would be, would be drawn. And we see this confession within him over and over that, you know, God's people suffered a defeat, especially in this, in this Psalm about this battle, they suffered a defeat in battle because God had withdrew his divine help and protection when they ceased to please him and do his will. And the remedy for that was to seek God earnestly in prayer and renew their fear in him. And we can take a lesson in that as well, that in the same manner, we who belong to the new covenant may experience spiritual defeat in our churches, families, and personal lives because God's spirit has been offended by our sin. Our conformity to surrounding society, our pride or, or forsaking the principles of truth and righteousness. And the thing about it is, is just like David. And then they, they returned to the Lord and sought after him. And that's just what we have to do is repent of our sins, turn back to the Lord and let him rule over our lives. And so... That's just essentially what really stood out to me in, in Psalm 60 and and that we could really cling on to, especially in this time. And so that was it for, for the Psalms. It's, it's kind of qu- went quick uh, today, but 
Um, so for, for the next, I'm going to go ahead and just go over the, the reading for Psalms and then we'll take a quick break and jump into, uh, the Proverbs. Um, so for the next reading, we're going to do, we're going to read Psalm 61 and go through Psalm 65. So you just divvy it out how you want to get through that in a week and so we'll go through those psalms next Friday and so um and so we'll we'll take a quick break and then jump into Proverbs so we are starting Proverbs chapter 12 and in Proverbs chapter 12 we have we'll go over and if something's kind of just saying the same thing over again we'll we won't really rehash it but we go into Proverbs 12 and it's talking about loving discipline you know whoever loves discipline loves knowledge but he who hates correction is stupid and I know it seems you know, really harsh for, for the wording. This is the NIV, but, you know, for, it may seem harsh, but, you know, we all need to be loving rebuke and correction. You know, it's just like when you're, you're learning something new, when somebody gives you, you know, advice, you know, how to better, especially like if you're like crocheting or, or something like that, you take that advice. And it's just the same way in our walk with the Lord. When somebody corrects us, our attitude may not be right, or they, they notice that we may be living in sin in some way, and they lovingly rebuke us. You know, we need to, to love that, you know, a proud person with with pride, they hate to be corrected, but the humble person is going to honestly receive loving criticism and profit from it. You're going to learn from it. And so, you know, that was verse one. And then we get into verse two. It says, you know, a good man obtains favor from the Lord, but the Lord condemns a crafty man. And that's you know, a person that is deceitful, full of wickedness, yes, they still live and they may seem like they're, they're profiting, but in the end they're, they're condemned, especially if they are not walking with the Lord. And, and we see this over and over, especially in the book of, of Proverbs that ultimately, you know, those who are unrepentant, there's, there's a justice, you know, and there's, you know, punishment for the wicked and, and the righteous, you know, get, get their due and, and all of that. So then we jump to verse three, you know, it says a man cannot be established through wickedness, but the righteous cannot be uprooted. And so wickedness has no foundation. You know, our foundation is in Jesus. And when we have that strong foundation, we can't be uprooted because, you know, when, especially, you know, when you look at the, the word and, and, and God and trusting in God and living in his ways, that's, and, 
just relying his G- on, on Jesus as our foundation. I mean, it's a strong foundation. And no matter what comes, you know, it doesn't exempt us from, from the things in this world. You know, we still live in a fallen world, but we can't be uprooted. You know, we'll, we'll be strong in the faith. You know, verse 4, a wife of noble character is her husband's crown, but a disgraceful wife is like decay in his bones. And, and it's not just, you know, talking about wives. You know, this is, this is generally talking about spouses. You know, the most important human relationship we will ever have is with, you know, our husband or wife. You know, God had made woman so that man would not be alone. And... And so a good spouse is, is going to bring happiness, joy, and success, while bad, bad spouse is going to cause much sorrow and misery. And so, and I, I really stress to those, especially our, our teens who, you know, are single, that when, when they're dating, when they're seeking someone to marry, you know, and live, because you're going to live with them the rest of your life, you know, they need to consider the person's character and especially their their commitment to Christ, his or her commitment to Christ and standards of holy living so that we don't, you don't marry the wrong person and suffer a lifetime of, of regret. You know, I, you know, just don't break up with somebody over something. You know, yes, they're not going to be perfect, totally perfect. But if their heart's in line with, with Jesus and they're going after them with you know going after Jesus with all their heart his or her you know they that that's a spouse because especially you know if you see them when they do wrong and they feel convicted and they're very apologetic that's God working in them in their lives and and so yes they're not going to be perfect but still seek after somebody who is you know like David you know, chasing after the Lord's, the Lord's heart and, and has a relationship with Jesus. So verse seven, essentially it's the same thing that, you know, there's ultimately wicked are, are the, are overthrown and, and the righteous will stand firm in that foundation as we've talked before. Verse 8 is, it says, a man is praised according to his wisdom, but men are, are but men with warped minds are despised. And, and you kind of think about that when somebody's filled with wisdom and, and discernment, you know, people seek after them. Where somebody who's really warped, you know, and I think it's just because I live in a small town that when somebody you can tell they're, they're, you know, just all out there wanting to cause trouble, you just kind of see people kind of avoid them because they don't want to be around that. You know, and I don't know, you know, in Laramie, it was 50-50, you know, you, you came across those kind of people, but there were people with warped minds. You didn't want to hang out with them. You know, there was people that I saw that I was just like, I'm not going to hang out with them because, you know, I just got warning signs. Verse 
verse 9 is interesting. It says, better to be a nobody and yet have a servant than pretend to be somebody and have food and have no food. And essentially, that's talking about, you know, it's dealing with pride and humility again. And when you think about pride and somebody who's prideful, they, they try to be somebody. And it just leads into... It just doesn't, it, it just leads to destruction, it leads to a fall where somebody who's humble, you know, it's going to help them, you know, to, in, in their walk and, and even in their own life, their personal life, being humble, especially in their job, it helps in those areas. We get to verse 10 and, and it talks about a righteous man cares for the needs of his animal but the kindest acts of the wicked are cruel. And it just shows that God's way of righteous living, it included caring and having kindness to animals. You know, we are stewards of our, you know, of, of the nature that's around us. And we're to treat it with loving kindness and not with contempt or cruelty and cruelty. And, and so it just shows that God does care for the animals. He does care for nature. And so should we. So does it mean I'm against honey, hunting? No, I'm not. Um, I believe hunting, especially around here, there's families that hunt because they use it for food. That's, that's taking care of nature. That's part of conservation is, is making sure to take care and, and avoid overpopulation. So, but that's not cruelty. So, anyway, verse 11. It's talking about working. Somebody who works his lands will have abundant food, but he who chases fantasies lacks judgment. It essentially, we're talking about working, and God, you know, he created us to work you know he created you know us to worship him but we're also part of our lives and and righteous living is working you know and we'll see Paul talking about it instead of being busy bodies being busy with our hands and that's true now is am I against people who run, run across hard times no, you know, we see right now with coronavirus, there's people that are laid off with the oil prices, they, the way there are, there's many people laid off and they've come across hard times. And as a body of Christ, we're there to help those who have come across hard times at this time. And so we ought to, you know, help those who do come across hard times. But there are people that do not want to work. And sadly, at some point, you know, after encouraging people to, to work, they, you know, if they continue to refuse, you have to back off because there's somebody else that needs that help. And so that's just what I believe in and, and all of that. So, and we do see, like, we'll see it in the New Testament, Paul talking about it, that we are to work doesn't mean that we're to not help the poor out because especially people and especially in those times women 
you know, when, if their husbands died before them, they needed help. They were considered widows. They did need that help. And, and there was nothing wrong with that, but, you know, he still encouraged people to work. So then, uh, we're going to take a, a quick break and then jump into, uh, verse 12. So we're in verse 12 and we see that the wicked desire the plunder of evil men, but the roots of the, of, of the righteous flourish. And we've talked about that, that the righteous cannot be uprooted. When we have Christ as our foundation, we can't be uprooted. And we see that the wicked, and when Christ is not enough, they're always going after something more. And you see it with somebody, when Christ is not enough... Maybe money, may it be, you know, sex, whatever it may be, that's their focus. And even more and more and more, or even drugs, it gets to being that's what they want. And, and because they don't have crisis at foundation, they're never satisfied. And so they're, they continue on and on. And so... That's just something that we really need to clean on to is that when Jesus becomes more than enough in our lives, we're satisfied with where we're at. And doesn't mean that, you know, we can't have dreams or, or wish for nice things. But we also, we we give those to the Lord and and let the Lord supply those things to us. And as we've talked about, and we're kind of getting into the verses 13 through 14. Proverbs goes over about words and, and talking, you know, how we talk. That they're very important. You know, it's a, it's a huge thing. And when you think about it, when God made creation, he spoke it to life. And, and that's huge. Our words, how we talk is, is huge. And so we see in verse 13, you know, an evil man is trapped by his sinful talk. You think about sinful talk and, and all of that and how they're, how people are so entrapped in it. And when you think about it, how we talk is actually the hardest thing to break because it becomes a habit. And it takes God and even James in the, in the book of James, it's going to talk about the ton is, is hard con- to control, but only through God can that be taken control. And we see in verse 14, you know, the fruit of the lips of a man is filled with good things. And Jesus talks about that, that from the mouth comes the th- from the things of the heart. So if it's bad things, it's, you know, sinful things such as immorality and, and anger and malice, that's the fruit of the wicked or the fruit of the righteous. They're, they're speaking joy. They're speaking peace. They're encouraging people, you know, speaking the word, you know, that's, that's a fruit of, of righteous talk. And so we come across that and, 
And so how we talk is is huge. Then we get to verse uh, 15. It's kind of like verse 1, you know, where we talked about somebody will accept advice, correction, rebuke. That's a huge thing. Then um, we get into 16, and it talks about a fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. And we look at today, and there's many people that live offended very easily. And Jesus, you know, talks about offense. There's a bunch of us, you know, or when we look at, you know, a bunch of us just live with offense because we get it and let it get to us. A person... You know, a prudent person, even a person that is close to Christ, when it comes to insults, they're going to, they're going to walk away from it. They're not going to allow that to take root. And there are people out there that are going to insult you, you know, as, as a believer. But, you know, it's like this story that I was reading and in my class, I just finished up on the book of Acts and it was talking about this, this girl, she, you know, was raised in a, in a Pentecostal church and these two boys found out and they just started insulting her and just mocking her in front of the other kids. And the little girl did not budge. She didn't say anything back, didn't fight back. And Finally, the boys, they feeling all satisfied and puffed up about what they had done. They said, well, we showed her and these, then another little boy said, no, you just showed your lack of, of spirituality. And so when you think about that, that's how as believers we're supposed to be is, you know, we do stand up for truth. But when it comes to insults and stuff, let people see the lack or or even the ignorance of those who are insulting. And sadly, today, there's many that don't see that. They are going to say, oh, yeah, they showed them because there are a lot of people that are clouded in lies. They do see Christians as the enemy. But we still cannot give in and fight back. Because then they'll say, oh, you're a hypocrite because Jesus says this. And so we have to really allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and let Jesus deal with with the situation. We get into verse 17 and it's talking about being a truthful witness. And so... and. A lot of Proverbs talks about integrity, and that includes being a truthful witness in what we see and what happens, being truthful. You know, a part of of a righteous living is our integrity. Are we truthful? Are we honest? Even, Even when we are not, you know, when we failed, when we've done wrong, are we truthful and honest? Uh, 18 is talking to, is back and going back to the, the words 
You know, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And this is a huge thing. You know, we can, I found this in, in, in my study Bible that i written down. And it says, you know, we can use the word of God incorrectly and tear people to pieces mentally and spiritually. Or we can use it for good. You know, that's how we should be using, you know, the word of God. Once again, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only for for a moment. Truth is going to last forever. A lying tongue is only going to last for a moment. Twenty talks about there's deceit in the hearts of those who plot evil, but joy for those who promote peace. And and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom and, and a huge gift of of the spirit or fruit of the spirit is joy. And there's joy for for the Christian who who promotes peace, who promotes Christ likeness. There's joy. Those who, who live in deceit and who plot evil, they're going to just have deceit in, in their hearts. And you'll see it. You'll see it in a lot of people today, um, especially in leadership. You know, on the left side, you see that they pr- promote deceit and, and evil and, and hatred. And so you got to look at their lives and go, whoa, I don't want to live that way. Finally, in verse 21, you know, it talks about no harm befalls the righteous, but the wicked have their fill of trouble. And as I've said before, you know, God is there to protect us. Does it mean that we are exempt from the troubles in this life? No. It doesn't mean that, you know, we, we will face, you know, challenges in this life. But we have that assurance that God is with us. And no matter what happens, there's eternity on the other side. And God's going to be with us through it. The wicked are going to have, those who are unrepentant are going to have their fill of trouble if they continue. And you know, this is, it's a huge theme throughout the Bible. that Because it's true that in the end, the wicked are going to be eliminated. There's going to be ultimate justice. And so, you know, I just challenge you that, you know, if you're not walking with the Lord to get right with the Lord, because, you know, I don't, I really don't think we have very much time before, you know, Jesus comes back. And so, you know, just get right with the Lord, you know, because there's joy, there's, you know, peace, you know, with, with the Lord. And so... That's just what I came across in in Proverbs. And so for the next week, uh, we're going to do finish the rest of Proverbs 12, starting on verse 22 and going through Proverbs chapter 12, verse 28. And then we're going to do Proverbs 13 and go start on verse one and go through verse 12 or no, verse 15. Sorry. And and that is what it will be. And so that is it for the second segment. Stay tuned for the third segment. 
uh, on the New Testament. And so I'm going to end the prayer on this segment. And I just want to say thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the one who guides us and directs us in our walk. Lord, I pray that we would be more Christ-like in how we react to people and, and in our lives. Let us live honest lives that are that is filled with peace, that is filled with joy, filled with your Holy Spirit. Lord, guide and direct us in, in whatever we do, Lord, and that our walk would be on, on your solid foundation, which is Jesus. And Lord, guide and direct us and be glorified and magnified in Jesus' name. Amen. Stay tuned for the next episode. Thank mm-hmm. you.